Briefcase Crimes contains graphic depictions of violent acts, bad jokes, and loud dog noises. It's not intended for all audiences, and listener discretion is advised. Welcome, listeners, to Briefcase Crimes. I'm Hannah, and I'm full of terrifying facts about horrific events. I'm Liz, and I'm full of morbid curiosity. Elizabeth. Yes, Hannah. We are doing something different today. Yes, very different. First of all, you know what we're doing, which is very right. different. Well, I know, I know what it is, but I don't know about it still. I know, but... Still, this is more this is more information than you normally have. True. True. Normally the first time I see the title is when we sit down. Yes. Um so today we are going to be covering a missing persons case. Mhm. Um this case is really important to me uh personally because it is a local case to me. Uh not local to you but local to me. But um, Pennsylvania still local yes. to my home state. Yes. And obviously, if it's important to me, it's important to you. Of course. Um, so we are going to talk today about Fawn Marie Mountain. All right. Uh, I'm excited. Typically, the the name that is on the slide is the killer. Right. And in this case, it's not. <laughs> in this case, it is, right. it is the missing person. So it's it's new territory for us. Mm-hmm. Um. So if you go to your first slide, we'll start here. So these are pictures of Fawn, like some recent okay. ones. Uh, I'm part of a Facebook page where people post a lot of their like uh, personal pictures of her, but mm-hmm. um, but I took a lot of my photos from a local news, like the CBS affiliate did a mm-hmm. did a story about this i'll link it in the brief they did a story about this and so i pulled a lot of my photos from either their coverage or like screenshotted their uh their help me their, their video they had an well they went article oh, okay. on a video so i took some screenshots from their video and i took the photos from their articles just because i didn't want to be using anybody's like personal photos in this without yeah. uh permission absolutely so i was trying to to pull everything that's that is uh public. already publicly available yes. Yes. yes nothing that is personal um so we start out with fawn fawn has been missing since 2012 first wow yes so she was just recently listed as a missing person recently like Like how recently 2017 or no sorry 2015 still that's years after she disappeared i will get into that about why that happened and what and what sort of um what sort of problems that has caused, right? Yeah, right. So we'll start on the day, the days close to when she went missing. Okay. 
so Fawn was originally from Altoona, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. That is very close to my hometown. That is also, you know, I don't know if I'll leave this in here. That's where I live now. Um, right. But let me start. Let me start this way. I became aware of this case mainly from friends sharing it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, before I even begin, Fawn's cousin, who is kind of like leading the charge on trying to find her. Mm-hmm. Her cousin Bridget and I have known each other for a while. I worked with Bridget's husband, Jimmy. And also Bridget and Jimmy were in my sister's wedding. So, oh, wow. So, yeah, these are people that I've known for a while. Um, people that, you know, have been parts of, like, big important events in my life. So just from the start here, this is kind of why I care. Not <laughs> not that I wouldn't care, but this is sort of part of my motivation of wanting to cover yeah, this. I mean, it's, it's very close to home. It is very close to home. Um, and I really want to try to be as respectful as we can right. and to cover everything as accurately as we can and just get the word out because it is it is my belief that in cases like this, there is somebody out there that saw something, that has yep. something, mm-hmm. that knows something that will help the case. Well, just for comparison's sake, let's go back to Robert Durst, Mm -hmm. which is last week's episode. They had that letter that was sitting in a box for how many years? That was the piece of the puzzle that put that case together. Yeah, and they didn't look into that until they made the documentary. Exactly, which Which, Scott and I just finished. I was going to say, you just finished. Yeah, Scott got super into it. I love when he gets super into it, but I'm going to... I'm going to say what I told you about. Yes. So, so Liz, first of all, Liz told me that she and Scott were watching it. And yes. I was like, you have to tell me because obviously Liz hadn't seen it, but she knew the case from from telling the story. And she had seen the ending because right. I had sent it to her for the for the episode. So I was right, like, which... you must tell me what Scott does <laughs> when the ending and... happens. And when it when the ending came up, I was like, turn up the volume. I'm like, trust me, like, pay attention. Because he was, like, on his phone a little bit. Um, so, of course, he says the, the classic, the line that ends the entire documentary, which is, killed them all, of course. <laughs> and so we're kind of, like, sitting there like, wow, this guy, you know, was... There's something off about him, obviously. Like, this is mm-hmm. just an insane case. Um, and then I looked at Scott and, like, kind of for emphasis, I just looked at him and said, killed them all, of course. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, you know, like, he totally killed that interview. It's going to be the best <laughs> documentary ever. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> uh, isn't but it wild, though? It is wild. And just... <sighs> his demeanor and Mm -hmm. like the way that they would like chase him down for these interviews and then him lying about where he was like every step of the way was just crazy and it's obvious that he's participating at least to me I think it's obvious from a not uh from a non-professional opinion Mm mm-hmm 
it seems to me like he's participating in these interviews to appease his own ego. Yeah. So it's just wild to see that. Like, and, and you he, just know it's real. This isn't like an act. Like, it's not a fictional movie. Yeah. Like, this is a real case unfolding, like, in real time in front of you. It's absolutely bonkers. And like I said in the in the episode, like, you can tell that he's on the autism spectrum. Uh-huh. He's, he's very, very... Um, socially strange. You know? He is. Yeah. So there's that whole thing of like he's killing people and then he's just like quietly confessing to himself. Yeah. Like it's so, so weird to watch. It's it's unlike a Ted Bundy or whatever who's like I don't know, charming or like talks yeah. of, like He's unsettling. He's, uh, yes, he's very unsettling, but not just in a serial killer way. Yeah, like the way that he had to, the way that he had to go to his brother's house and just like stand on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And like, Like, so weird. I do love that in his little confession thing at the end, he's like, and all the burping, like, (laughs) which like yelling at himself. Which, of course, I knew that he said like that line, but. Like, actually watching the full interview and seeing it, I would yeah. probably feel the same way. Yes. <laughs> That's, like, the most normal, quote-unquote, normal thing. Mm-hmm. He's so <laughs> such a strange guy. I'm so glad you watched it, though. Like, Oh, it was so good. Yes. It is, like, not... It's the, 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 the documentary visual equivalent of, like, a page-turner. I was really surprised that they didn't talk about his dog at all. I know. And they didn't like, discuss like, the dog stuff at all. There was one scene where they showed bloody dog prints, but I think it was, like, not his dog. It was just, like, it was, it was Suzanne's um, dog. Yes, it was Susan's. Susan, sorry. Yes. Her, um, uh, she had multiple dogs, and that was what alerted the neighbors that she was that she had been harmed, was that the dogs were out, and they shouldn't have just been out roaming. Right. Um... So I was shocked that they didn't talk about his dog. So, of course, I had to tell Scott because I was like, they haven't mentioned the dog yet. And then he was like, what about the dog? I don't get it. Like, what do you what about his dog? And I kept making him wait. Like, I didn't want to say it if they were going to touch on it later, but they never did. They do show they do show the the wedding picture, though, of him and Kathy. Mm -hmm. And they're holding one of one of the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and I know the dogs make an appearance in the Ryan Gosling, like, the actual movie movie version. Right. I have to wonder if if maybe they were advised to leave that out because of the ongoing trial. Could be. Or if they just didn't feel like it was substantiated enough. Like, I the claims know. of him saying they egored somebody. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, lots, I don't either. Lots of questions. Um, but back to this case, yes, because that's how that's how we ended up there. Um, yeah, sorry. I want I want to cover this case because I think that somebody has information, or somebody has some physical piece of evidence 
that they could bring forward and they might not even know that it's, you know, would be helpful to the investigation. Right. Um, or they do. I don't know. But, like, they might not even know if they have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fawn went missing on the 25th of November, 2012. Okay. However, nobody really knew that she was missing. How and old I, was she at that point? Um, let me get my notes. She would have been 25. Okay. So she was she's 25 years old. On yes. Her own. So at the time of her disappearance, she was living in Claysburg, Pennsylvania, which is short a short distance from Altoona. Um, mm-hmm. Still decently far, but a short distance. And she was living with her girlfriend, Heather Dibert. Heather's parents owned a butcher shop. And the day before she went missing, they were getting the shop ready to um, to be operational for hunting season, basically. Okay. Um, it was Fawn, Heather, Heather's brother Mike, and Mike's girlfriend Stephanie Clar. Um, they... They were at the butcher shop getting everything bleached down, sterilized, making everything, making sure everything was cleaned and ready to go for when people started bringing in deer to have butchered. Um, if you're not, if you're not somewhere that hunts or you are not a hunter, because I know we have a lot of people that listen that aren't from, you know, areas like this. Altoona is a city. But it's a very rural city, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Um, it's not huge, but it's it is the most metropolitan, I guess, in quotes, area yeah. in the, in the surrounding areas. It's not a city like skyscrapers city. It's just Mm-mm. a high population density area, basically. Exactly. When I was growing up in Tyrone, Altoona was where you went to go to Walmart. Or where you went, like, there's a mall. Like, that was right. the kind of idea of, like, it is a city. So it's right. very it's very rural. People hunt here. Um, I grew up hunting. So if you, if you kill a deer during hunting season, your options, basically, are to butcher it yourself. Mm-hmm. So to process the meat, and then you'll have the meat. Or you can take it to a butcher shop. They will process that meat for you, and then you can even have it turned into, like, steaks or hamburger or, like, whatever, sausages, jerky, etc. So it's not unusual for people to be going to butcher's shops during hunting season. Yeah, that's Um, what my family does. We don't process it ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it depends. Sometimes our family processes it. Most of the time our family processes it ourselves. Sometimes, um, like, if a couple different people get deer they will like go in together to a butcher shop mm-hmm. and get like all of it made in a hamburger and then you'll like dole, dole it out to everybody. Right. Um, so once they had finished this butcher shop task, they went back to their house. Now Heather's brother, Mike and Stephanie lived next door 
to Heather and Fawn. Okay. Um, they lived. They lived in a trailer park in Claysburg, so they were like right next to each other. You can like, the only reason I mention that is because like you can think about the distance between trailers in a trailer park. It wasn't like the houses were stuck together, but it wasn't like they were very far away either. Yeah. Um, so they went home, they had some beer, they like hung out, and then before they parted ways, Heather went to Mike's house to help him bring something inside. Fawn was alone with Stephanie and she said, you know, I'm, what are you going to do tonight? And she said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch some scary movies. And that was the last time anyone saw Fawn. Wow. The, the next day, Stephanie Clark says the next day that she woke up and came outside and that Heather, her parents, and her brother were all outside, like, smoking cigarettes and hanging out. And Stephanie asked, where is Fawn? And Heather said, I woke up at 3.30 a.m. to go to the bathroom, and Fawn was gone. She had just left. Hmm. And Stephanie thought it, like, immediately thought it was really weird that... Yeah. That Fawn wasn't outside. That's why she asked. Because she said that it it would have been, like, it was just weird for her to not be out with everybody. And then right. for her to just leave in the middle of the night was very strange. So the other, the other situation here is that going back to Fawn's childhood, um, or her younger years, I guess, mm-hmm. um... She, she had a relationship in her younger years with uh, a person who was very abusive physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this relationship, they had had two children. And it got so bad, this, this abuse, that those children were taken away by social oh. services. Um, yes. Later, Fawn had had another daughter who was stillborn named Caden. Mm-hmm. And obviously, she was so upset by this, clearly, because it's her child, yeah. um, that she would keep Caden's ashes, her urn, like close by. That was always, always her, her M.O., So, like, when she would leave these partners, because she had had several partners before that were, you know, not great situations. When she Mm -hmm. would leave those people, she would always, one of the first things that she would take is Caden's urn, Mm because that's her child. Caden's urn was left behind at Heather's, as Mm. were all of her clothes. All of her things were still there. Quick correction. Caden was actually Fawn's first child, not her third child. So for her to leave in the middle of Pennsylvania winter with no clothing and without this very important thing that she always keeps close to her, like this very important emotional item, that's very odd. Did she, was her coat missing also or did she take her coat? 
I'm not sure. But okay. I would I would venture to guess her coat was still there. Okay. Um it I mean, obviously I know more about the situation than we're than we've gotten into yet, but um I would say her coat was probably still there. Um shortly after this uh friends friends and family and stuff notice that Heather is being like really calm and 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 that's really strange. Mhm. They had been together for 6 years. You know. And her girlfriend just gets up in the middle of the night and leaves and she's just calm. I mean, I have panicked waking up in the middle of the night and Scott is, like, in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like, because you worry. You're like, oh, are they not feeling well? You know, did they get a bad phone call? Like, you don't know. Like, it would be concerning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for her to just disappear without saying a word to you after six years? Yeah. And you're just calm? Um, That's not right. A week after she went missing, Heather's father completely remodeled Heather and Fawn's trailer. Hmm. That's very suspicious. When I say completely remodeled, I mean they took out carpeting, put put in all new floors, everything. Took everything out, put everything new in. And then Heather moved to Ohio. Oh, my. Like, so did they sell the trailer or did she take the trailer to Ohio? I'm not sure. So let's hmm. talk more about <clears throat> Heather and Fawn and their relationship. Yeah. Um, in 2009, there was, um, well, I mean, like... Not just in 2009. So there was a nightclub in Altoona. Mm-hmm. It was called The Island. I have never been. And when I, again, when I say nightclub, <laughs> this is, this is Altoona. It's not like. It's a bar. Yeah, basically. But it's the closest thing to a nightclub that we have, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I remember the night, the, the island used to have, I think on Wednesdays, they would have like. 18 and under like things where people could go and dance Mm -hmm. and I had never gone I had never participated because I've just not my scene but um I remember there was a lot of people I went to high school with and like worked at the park with who would talk about like oh yeah we went to the island because you can get in because it's under it's under 18 nights so there's no there's no alcohol just dancing right right it was like a meetup spot um but that is where Heather and Fawn first met. Oh, geez. And the burping. Um, (laughs) If you go to your next slide. This is Heather and this is Heather and Fawn. Okay. Um, I'm not even sure that might be the island. I don't know well enough to know if that is the island or not. That's in that picture. Mm -hmm. Um, The island actually burned down. (laughs) oh so there is no more island but the island was there 
And in 2009, mm-hmm. that's where they met. Um, Heather had been with women before. Vaughn had never been, never dated a woman in the past. But Wait, hold on. You said they were together for like six years? I think so, yeah. But I don't know if that, you that said math they met... doesn't work out. Yeah, that's bad math. I mean, that's not my bad math then. That's, that's every, the articles I've read have bad math. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it says they met in 2009. She went missing in 2012. But something later says they've been together for six years. Well, if she hadn't been declared missing until 15, that's probably the math that they're using. Could be. So, Heather had been with women before. Fawn had not. However, um, everybody close to them said that they were, like, instantly attracted to each other, instantly had a connection, mm-hmm. which happens. And also, yeah. like, I think happens a lot more in LGBT couples. Yeah. The, um, the relationships move much quicker. So, mm-hmm. it's not, that's not unusual. Um but shortly after they had met, Heather asked Fawn to move to Claysburg and be with her. Okay. Live with her. Um, family and friends were kind of concerned because Fawn was very dependent on family. Mm-hmm. Um. She didn't have a car. She didn't drive. Um, she would have she would have family members take her where she needed to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as I know, she also didn't work. Oh. So. So she had friends and family, like, around her that were willing to help her with these things. So mm-hmm. obviously, friends and family are like, "You're gonna move to Claysburg with this person." And, you know. Like, we can't help you from there. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to articulate. I just can't, like. I got you. Think. That, yeah, exactly. Like, it's going to be harder for us to help you if something does go wrong, especially because, like, she had been in the past in these relationships that were not good. Right. Um, so just, you know, urging caution. But regardless, she moved. And she had told her mother, Dorsey, she had said, Heather asked me to move to Claysburg with her, and I'm afraid if I go to Claysburg that I'm never going to come back to Altoona. Hmm. And it was not I, – I don't know if her, her thought was something bad is going to happen. But, right. you know, I had that same thought. I'm sure you have as somebody who's moved away from their home, yeah. their hometown. You know, am I ever – I'll move for now, but are we ever going to move back? Is this person ever going to want to move closer to my family? Right. For context, because I don't go to Claysburg, like, ever. Let me double check, for reference, um, how far away Claysburg is from Altoona. Because in my mind, in my mind, Claysburg is, like, far, not too far, but far away. Being from Tyrone, it is. <laughs> it, it, so, like, my brain is skewed. Okay. So, it's about 20 minutes, uh, 
25 minutes away. Okay. So that's not bad. Not terrible, especially Liz and I have discussed this before. When you're from a smaller place, distance is, and like time to travel for things is changed in your head. Yeah. So I remember when Liz was living in Pittsburgh, if I was like, oh, something is 30 minutes away, like let's go somewhere, it's only 30 minutes away, Liz would be like, 30 minutes away because in Pittsburgh, it doesn't take you 30 minutes to get. Only if there's traffic. <laughs> only if there's traffic. So like, let's go to the closest Walmart is is 25 minutes away. That's nothing if you're from somewhere rural. But if you're from an yeah. urban environment, that's a lot. Yeah. So 25 minutes is is a lot. But it's not an hour, you know. No. But just, again, for context, because not only do I not have the best, like, uh, grasp on how far things are from things because of living all over, but, you know, we have people that aren't from the area that listen. So she moved 25 minutes away. <laughs> um, the other thing that concerned family and friends was that... Heather was um, very uh, temperamental, Mm -hmm. I guess we'll say. She was temperamental and that her relationship with Fawn was possessive. Okay. Include, like, I don't know if they saw it as abusive at first, but Mm -hmm. I think they definitely felt as time went on that this was definitely abuse yeah and that's one of those things too where like perceptions of abuse like changes with age right like when you're in high school like your boyfriend being possessive is like oh my god it's so hot like he must really like me but like at the age we're at now if we know somebody whose partner is being possessive we're like girl leave Mm -hmm. like that is not healthy yeah you know So, not only was she possessive, but it got to the point where Heather would go to work and sometimes she would bring Fawn with her. She would have Fawn sit and, like, hang out in the car all day. What? While she was at work. Also, I do just want to go back because I realized what I said might have sounded very victim-blamey, and that's not at all what I mean. I mean that it would be more of a red flag to the people around her. Yes. Because I I know that when people are in an abusive situation, it's very difficult to see, and it can be very difficult to leave. So I I just want to go back and address that because we don't victim-blame here. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I knew what you meant, but I appreciate it. I know, well. but I just wanted to be extremely clear. I don't yeah. want it to be misconstrued at all. Yeah. Um, but anyway, having her sit in the car all day, that's not cool. That's yeah. not great. Well, even worse, when she didn't come and sit in the car all day, she would put a padlock on the front and back door of the trailer. No. So that she couldn't leave the house, which also, like... Aside Fire. from, I was going to say, aside from that being abuse, like, you can't hold someone against their will. That's just, no. like, dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. Yeah. Um, I, she would, I mean, 
That's just crazy. You never know if something like a fire or carbon monoxide, like you don't know. Like that is so dangerous. I don't think that's what she was thinking about. But yeah. No, I am certain that that's not what she was thinking about. But she also every call that would go into the house would be forwarded to Heather's cell phone. Mm-hmm. So Fawn is at this point being locked in her home, unable to even get phone calls. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And also on the on the topic of people in abusive relationships, mm-hmm. Fawn had been in the cycle of abuse. Yeah, and it's for a so lot of hard her to life. break that cycle. Yeah, and so especially when you're in that cycle, it makes it hard to see things correctly. Right. And so, like, um, my friend Bridget, who is Fawn's cousin, um, she is quoted in this article. She said, quote, she didn't see it as controlling. She saw it as she cares about me. She wants to yeah. protect me. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly right. Like, that is yeah. exactly exactly how it is is the your your view of what is what is healthy and what is not gets completely skewed when that is all you know absolutely oh um that's just heartbreaking i know the whole this whole story is heartbreaking like this whole story is um is just an absolute tragedy yeah and it's so easy it's so easy i know i'm kind of jumping to conclusions saying something like this but it's so easy for for outsiders to say well if it was so bad like she should have just left Mm -hmm. and it's like or you know she should have known if she's been in abusive relationships before but it's like a person who's damaged who ends up in these relationships it's because they're they are seen by the abuser as an easy target yeah you know like, like it's this not is somebody their i can fault. control yeah it's like it's not their fault that they have become a victim to that yeah. to that cycle mm-hmm. they're being preyed upon yeah exactly and as you can tell that first picture of heather like mm-hmm. that's not a family photo that's clearly a no. mugshot right uh, heather had been in trouble with the law before Heather had mm-hmm. had six different protection from abuse orders oh, brought up against her from different That's girlfriends. That's a lot. And PFAs are not easy to get. Yeah. Remember that. There's a whole, yeah, this like, is going to be a whole to, thing later. Like, there is a whole broken system around ha- women and other victims of domestic abuse having hardship being protected from their abusers. Mm-hmm. The system does not make it easy to get protection orders, like, at all. Mm-mm. Women and other victims of domestic violence die every single day against people that they tried to get PFAs from that they could not get. Exactly, exactly. Um, this is absolutely a story of a, a failed woman. system. This is, yeah, we'll get into this even more later um real quick just because i'm looking at the slides um your next slide and i can write who all these people are 
for you later. Your next slide. This Girl, is. I'll go back and get Heather in a minute, but okay, go. This on. is this is Stephanie Clar. Um, this is her in the um, interview with WTAJ. Clar with an L, but that is how you spell it with two two two, uh, two R's. Yeah, but that is it. Um, so this is Stephanie Clar. She is interviewed by WTAJ. She um, was Heather's brother Mike this was her his his girlfriend at the time and they were also neighbors she was very good friends with Vaughn okay she is actually one of the people who went to the police when when they realized she was missing um the next picture is Vaughn's brother Alan he's also interviewed by WTAJ he says that you know Fawn got along with everybody she was very outgoing and that they had a very good relationship he said we had our okay. ups and downs obviously because they're siblings sure. um, yeah she was a good but she was a good sister to him yeah is what i mean i would about. even say that about my brother that we've had our ups and downs and we're i mean he's one of my best friends yeah like so. family is family and that is right. how that is how it was so like this this family before anybody judges anybody in this story obviously Family has their ups and downs, mm-hmm. but you can really tell this is a very, this is very central Pennsylvania family. They, yeah. they had the ups and downs. They fell out of touch or got back into touch with people, but they clearly care about their family. They are, yes. and they are willing to do whatever it takes to be with yeah. their family. Um, and then the next photo. Okay. This is Bridget. This is my friend Bridget. Okay. Um, and her last name is Gill. Two T's and an E at the end. Wait, two T's and an E? At the end of her name, Bridget. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, and then I, G-I-L-L. I thought, I thought you meant G-I-L-L had two T's and an E. I'm like, did I miss something? Guilt. Was it guilty? Guilty. Okay. Sorry. Um, she is not guilty. She's <laughs> wonderful. Um, right. So Bridget is really one of the people who's really leading the charge on finding Fawn, which is why I wanted to include her here. This is absolutely, this is one of the only pictures that was not from, um, from a public source because Mm -hmm. I wanted like a picture that was her face on. Yeah. Um, This is from her Facebook. Sorry, Bridget, but it's a good picture of you. You look great. Um, I know she's listening because we're gonna send this to her. we're gonna send this to her to make sure that everything is kosher and that we have the family's yeah. blessing to post this. Absolutely. Um. Uh, where am I at? Okay, so Fawn had run away from Heather many times before. Oh man. Um. She would. First, at first, she would go and visit her family and, excuse me, this is from, um, directly from the interview with Vaughn's mother that the mm-hmm. WTAJ station did, but Vaughn's mother, Dorothy, said that she came home and she had uh, a hoodie on and the hood was up. Mm-hmm. And, uh... So Dorothy asked her to take the hood off. Sure. And she said she winds up and takes her hood down real slow 
And she said, Heather choked me out. Oh, my goodness. Um, she said, Heather came back from the bar one night, and she was drunker than a skunk. She wound up covering my hands and my feet and sat on me and took a rope to my neck. She had rope marks coming clear around her neck. Oh, God. Stephanie Clark says that she had gone to the emergency room so often that she had to start going to different hospitals because the emergency room was asking questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is easy here. There are several hospitals close by. So it's not totally hard to go to a different hospital. I feel like that would be completely impossible to do in Pittsburgh because there's only two hospital systems. Yeah, exactly. They're and you so your see. records would be there no matter what. Yeah. Now, here <laughs> like, she she was from Claysburg, which is near East Freedom. She probably would go to Nason. And then once Nason started mm-hmm. asking questions, she could go to UPMC Altoona. And then if it was really bad, she could go to Tyrone. Um, yeah. That you have options to do. Wow. But, that poor girl. Yeah. So, obviously, she had left Heather several times Mm -hmm. she had she would talk to stephanie and she would say can't i need a ride to my mom's house Mm -hmm. she would take caden's urn she would take her things and she would go to dorothy's house Mm -hmm. and every single time even if it was the middle of the night heather would show up and she would bang on everybody's door where is Fawn? Do you have Fawn? She would hunt her down. So it was really, really weird that when Fawn just up and disappeared in the middle of the night. She didn't come. Knocking. Yeah. She was totally calm, cool, and collected. Even though every other time. Yeah. There she had been. Mm-hmm. Um, but since we're talking about her. Uh her cycle of abuse here she would go back because that's how it happens and basically i said about um mike and stephanie's trailer being alongside of fawn and heather's Mm -hmm. stephanie's bedroom window was right across from the kitchen window at fawn and heather's house um, oh, we just got a follower on Instagram. Hello, Patricia. Nice. <laughs> so they would sit, uh, Stephanie and Fawn would sit and talk between those windows in secret. Mm-hmm. They would do that like when Heather wasn't home or when people weren't around. Mm-hmm. Heather would have her mother come by. And check up on Fawn while she was gone. Can you? Oh, my gosh. That just blows my mind. Like, I cannot imagine abusing someone and then asking my mother to make sure. And your mother doing it? Yeah. Yeah. My mom would beat my butt. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I don't. That's. Oh. Yeah. Talk about the. um. We always talk about parents that stand by their, like, yeah. serial killer children. That's that that just, whole, There's a different level of that, basically. That just makes my skin crawl. But that also goes to show, clearly, this system of abuse started in the home. 
mm-hmm. and Heather's home. Like, this wasn't something that started with her. And that's the other thing. The cycle of abuse also affects the abuser. Mm-hmm. You know, most, you know, a lot of, I don't know. I'm not a professional. But in my limited understanding, people who are abused go on to abuse. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Heather's home life. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's not relevant anyway. It's not. Um. She would have her mother come by, check and make sure, I don't know, Fawn was still inside. Yeah. She padlocked in. And Crazy. So, and so her mother reported back, you know, that she's having these chit-chats with, with, honestly, like, she's having, she's talking to yeah. your brother's girlfriend, who she works yeah. with. Like, they all worked at the butcher shop. So why is this a problem? It shouldn't be a problem. Right. Stephanie says that she felt like she didn't have anybody to talk to. She being Fawn. Uh Felt like she didn't have anybody to talk to. And that she would say to her, like, someday, someday she would say, I feel like I'm going to get out of this. Like, I'm going to get out of this, this relationship, this situation I found myself in. And then other days she would say, I feel like there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. which makes total sense like you would absolutely feel both both different yeah both ways right so it she- just depends on the day and what happened yeah she's so she's completely isolated and when her mom sees this is going on and reports back they board up the window oh my goodness like wow they make it so they cannot even have this discussion wow so now she can't talk to anybody outside of heather's earshot And then, in 2011, Dorothy, Fawn's mother, receives mail stating that a PFA has been taken out against her by Fawn. I'm sorry, what? Yes. A PFA, Protection from Abuse uh, Order, was taken out against Dorothy by Fawn. Oh my god. Wow. And clearly, everybody who knows her says that was absolutely coerced or forced oh, yeah. into action. Because, oh, yeah. Because that, Dorothy was Fawn's person, like her safety person. Every single time she would leave Heather, that's where she would go. Yeah. Just as a reminder, one of the largest symptoms or side effects or effects of abuse is isolation. Mm -hmm. So there's tactics. Yeah, tactics. Thank you. That's the better word. So we have her isolated in the home, no phone, I'm presuming no internet, uh, no contact the outside world at all and she and has now, no car doesn't drive no job other than the and butcher na- shop and now she legally cannot see her mother exactly and let me find exactly in my notes where i have this i'd lose my crap 
Yeah. Like so- strictly hypothetical, but like, cause like Scott is not like this, but like if Scott made me legally not able to talk to my mom mm-hmm. and I don't think, I mean, I love my mom. She's listening cause she listens to all of our episodes, but it even sounds like Fawn was closer to her mom than I am to mine. And I love my mom and I'm, I think yeah. I'm very close with my mom. Like that would be horrible. They, um, they say the people that knew her said that like she and her mom would fight. She and her mom sure would have tiffs and spats, but you know it's family. It's family, and clearly, like I said, Dorothy was Fawn's person her safety person yeah trying to find it i thought i had it written down but i i don't Take your time. see it they no i oof oof it just makes me so upset for her yeah and can you imagine the feeling of like sorry i punched my mic it's okay the feeling of like my you know my my child has just out of nowhere cuz like obviously they don't let somebody who's legitimately having a PFA brought up against them. They don't Ask just why. say, <laughs> well, I mean, they don't just say like, Hey, you're about to have a PFA brought up against you. Yeah. It just happens. Yeah. Like, and that's the whole point because if they're being given correctly, that's a part of protecting you from that person. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, Hey, now you're not allowed to see this person. I can't yeah. find it. Um, oh, wait. Here it is. Whoop, nope. I lied. That's not it. <laughs> Can um, you paraphrase it? Basically, I just wanted to double check and make sure that it was 100% accurate. But I believe mm-hmm. I believe at some point that have <sighs> what I think happened, if I remember this incorrectly Bridget let me know and I'll cut this out um but I believe that Fawn actually went to Dorothy again after the PFA Mm -hmm. and that or that Dorothy went to Fawn and that Dorothy was was like arrested for that yeah because it was violating the PFA like it has happened now I mean clearly Dorothy knew that there was a problem happening. Mm-hmm. So I think it would make sense if she tried to contact her. She did. You know, um, like what, this was not granted legitimately. No, it wasn't. And like, but that's what I mean is that she went so far as to like. Break get, it. Yeah. To like get legal repercussions turned against her because. <laughs> like. Because she loves her daughter. Yeah. So what she would do then, because she had this PFA, she would call the police, Dorothy would, call the police Uh and ask for welfare checks. Okay. Um, According to Pennsylvania Pennsylvania State Troopy, that's what I almost said, (laughs) Pennsylvania State Trooper Christopher Fox... Um, the last report that they have where the police made contact with her and it's documented that they physically saw her was in November of 2012. Okay. Was the last time the police even saw her. I'm thinking, though, like, 
for these welfare checks was not a single one of them when Heather was at work and Fawn was literally padlocked in? I'm not sure. But the police were also being called out for domestic violence calls. Like, the police, Stephanie Clark said the police were there so, quote, so many times. This is exactly why we need more social workers that are in, you know, functioning with the state, with the police, and paid better. Mm -hmm. So, this brings us back to the 26th. November 26th, when Stephanie Clark doesn't see Fawn, asks where is she, and Heather says she got up and she wasn't she wasn't there yeah she says she didn't take anything the urn was still there what the heck happened she yeah. didn't take according to the her quote here she didn't take any of her clothes mm-hmm. um and she didn't talk to any of her family i had asked bridget if there was anything that she really wanted me to make sure was in this episode mm-hmm. and her main her main point that she would like to have made is that Fawn would never just bail on her family. Yeah. And never, and like not talk to them. Right. It has been since 2012, so almost 10 years, and not a single one of her family members has heard from her. Mm hmm. None of them. Yeah. So, I had said Heather moved to Ohio. Mm-hmm. Two months later, she moved back to Central PA okay. with another girlfriend. And a poor, poor girl. Well, that poor girl is now Heather's wife. Oh my goodness! They are officially married. Um. Everybody obviously has asked. Heather, what is up? Where is she? Do you know where she is? Yeah. And she has told everybody a different story. Also, just to backtrack, like, a a quick hot second. If my partner just up and went missing, I would not have a new partner in under three months. Yeah. Like, are you serious? I have just been, like, broken up with. And not had a new had another partner for years. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, and that's anyway. beyond just disappearing. Um, yeah, but at that point, like in my heart, if my partner genuinely went missing, in my heart, we're still together. Yeah, like like yes, mysterious, whatever. I don't know where they are. I'm not on the market. Are you kidding? Yeah. So, Heather would tell people. These are among the things. This is not not every single thing that she has, has said. Right. She has claimed that Fawn is in prison in Ohio or was in prison in Ohio. Uh, she mm-hmm. claims that the prison called her and said, like, can we release her to your house? And she told them absolutely not. Um, she told them that Fawn went to New York and is now a prostitute in New York. Oh, goodness. Um. She has told people so many. Th- she told, um, she told people that Fawn was supposedly in Arizona at a certain point of time. Okay. And now we get into 
why she was not listed officially as missing until 2015. Okay. So at first, Stephanie Klar and um, uh, Fawn's mother, Dorothy, went to the Greenfield Township Police, which would be their Mm -hmm. local police in Claysburg. And they they said this is something is wrong she is gone she would not just leave right greenfield township basically said she's an adult she's not missing she just ran away she's an adult okay. and according according to people that are closer to the family than i am the police department treated Dorothy like she was stupid. I believe it. And they just like blew it off entirely. I completely believe that. Because I mean, if they hadn't just blown her off entirely, then they would have reported her missing. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is the, the state police couldn't look into it because they weren't invited to look into it by the township police. Ugh, ridiculous. Okay, yes. So, first of all, in this, it does say Fawn had run away from Heather and gone to Dorothy. This is, I knew this is where I read that. And then, yes, mm-hmm. Dorothy was arrested and put in jail. And that was in October of 2012. So, a few weeks, maybe, after she disappeared? That would have been before. Wait, no, I'm sorry. She disappeared in November. So a few yes. weeks before. Yes. Okay. Um, sorry. How about that bad math now? That's okay. <laughs> Reverse bad math. Yeah. Um, so Dorothy and Stephanie got in touch with Greenfield Police. They talked to them repeatedly. Um, they treated... Kudos to Stephanie. Yeah. Oh. Well, remember, Stephanie was... Well, first of all, double kudos to Stephanie because Stephanie was, like, technically part of the Divert family. She was dating mm-hmm. Mike. So, right. But beyond that, she was also Fawn's friend and yeah. felt like something was was weird that was going on here. It would have been really easy for her to not do anything, though. And, of yeah. course, you know, we don't have all of the information people who are closer might feel differently but from this perspective it's I'm, I'm glad that she did something yeah so they would call greenfield township and sometimes they would not even return their calls yeah that doesn't shock me at all mm-hmm. um and like i said their whole thing was well she's an adult if she wants to leave she can leave the reason that she was officially listed as missing in March of 2015 is because the Social Security office tried to get in touch with Fawn to um, do something renewing her benefits, and they couldn't get in touch with her. This is so infuriating. Yeah. That's just so upsetting. And in the, imagine if she didn't have that benefit yeah, and didn't it, need it that just, renewal. Mm-hmm. It would have just been completely brushed aside con- entirely. Yeah. So Jeez. things really start picking up in May of 2017. Okay. Um, now, when Bridget was 16 years old, she had her first child. Very young. Okay. 
Yeah. And obviously that's a very like hard thing to have to deal with. So at that time, she grew incredibly close to Fawn and Fawn really helped out with with raising, um, helping Bridget raise her child. Mm -hmm. As most people know with family, you're not always super duper close to your cousins. Right. Even if you have moments or periods of time where you are close, you know, you you get married and you have your family and you're dealing with all of that. And maybe you're in a, like Bridget and her family don't live in Altoona anymore. Right. All of that. So it's harder to keep in contact. So she hadn't really talked to Fawn since, um, I believe around like 2008, Mm -hmm. like it just happens. And then, and then in May of 2017, one of her extended family members talked to her, Bridget and said Fawn has been listed as missing. Okay. So Bridget is not the kind of person to just like sit around and twiddle her thumbs for context. <laughs> um, yeah. And this is, this is, this is praise I would give her even if she wasn't like my actual friend for context. Tyrone has a feral cat problem. <laughs> it's just part of Tyrone um I just is not what I expected (laughs) yeah well a couple years ago um there were a lot of people from town uh going to like the city it's on the city council but like the borough council or whatever and proposing like we need to do something about all these cats we need to deal with all these cats Bridget started uh an organization that takes in these cats and finds homes for them wow yeah um, let me actually plug that while we're here because if you're in the area, I know we have some listeners that are yeah. that are from here. And if you're someone who's listening to this because of being interested in the case, because you're from here, and maybe you don't know about this, but you're in the in the market for an animal. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is called to rescue a fur baby. Yeah, it is called perfect pa- perfect paws and pals of Tyrone. Cute. Uh, they are, she is always, always posting pictures of cats, uh, that need Mm -hmm. homes and they just look so, so sweet. If we didn't have Hazel, who is absolutely a one animal home dog, we would have a cat from them for sure. So if you're in the area, perfect paws and pals of Tyrone, and that is a, Mm -hmm. Bridget is involved with that organization. I believe she started it, but that might not be right, but I think she did. Um, but she is the kind of person who is like, oh, there's people in need. Oh, there's a problem. How can I do this? Mm-hmm. How can I fix this? She's a helper. She is a helper. She is truly a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, yeah, as Mr. Rogers would say, a helper. She is a helper. Look for the helpers. Look to the helpers. Find your Bridget. Um, Bridget in 2017 started just calling the police department good and saying what the heck is going on what why is nobody looking into this it's Mm -hmm. been two years since she was declared missing what do you know Mm -hmm. she was told yeah what do you know what have you done yeah like (laughs) she was told by greenfield township police that the officer who was in charge of the case had left 
the department. And so who's the new officer? That's like, exactly what she asked. And she was, yeah. the, she was told no one. Great. So. Real, real good quality work. So luckily, the person that she had gotten in touch with was confused. Not luckily he was confused, but luckily he was like, I don't know how this happened. Come in. We're going to have a meeting. Let me take all the information that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, names and contact information, everything. Because Bridget was investigating this herself, basically. Yeah. And. Yeah. Which is also so dangerous. Like, yeah, nobody should. Like, you should not have civilians doing that kind of work. Like, yes. you should have, hypothetically, in a perfect world, an actually efficient task force to handle these situations. Yes. So, after that meeting, after that meeting and tons of phone calls and, um, and all of that, a couple weeks later, Greenfield Police finally gave this case to the Pennsylvania State Police. Finally? After five years of her being gone. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, the strange thing is... Or one of the strange things is all of these stories that Heather tells about her being just gone or in Arizona or in New York or in Johnstown or Ohio or right, wherever. Right. There has been no activity from Fawn in, since 2012. Right. And in 2021, the year that we are in, you cannot do anything you cannot live on the planet without making a footprint somewhere. Yeah. Like, she would have something, something. There's been no activity on any of her cards. She hasn't renewed her, like, ID card, her driver's license stuff. She didn't have a driver's license, but you know what I mean, her identification. Nothing on her bank account, nothing. No no interaction with anybody. She's, if she was doing some of the illegal things that Heather claims that she's doing... She's had no interactions. She's had no arrests. None of that. Um, the police have looked have looked into the databases in all of the places that Heather has claimed that she is. Arizona, mm-hmm. New York, Ohio, all of those places. Nothing. None of that. Um, obviously, I, mean, I don't have... I mean, to, to actually disappear like that, you would have to have a new identity. Yeah. And why would she do that? I mean, the only reason I can figure is is to get away, cut clean from the abusive situation. But the other pieces of the puzzle don't add up no, for that. Because, like Bridget said, she would not, even just to get away from Heather, cut off her entire family. Right. That just would not happen. No. And no. I'm not even like... I've n- I never met Fawn. I don't know Fawn personally, but I know that I don't think anybody would do that. Mm-mm. I think As- you would at least let your mother know that you're okay. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing. So um, they had, the family had talked to, he- to Heather and said right. at times, like at one point Fawn's stepfather was in the hospital and mm-hmm. was dying. And so they said to Heather, like, 
hey, where do you know where Fawn is? Because, like, she needs to be here. She would want to be here for, for this. This is her dad. Like, yeah, yeah. And her brother Alan has said, like, I I want to know where she is. I need to let her know that, like, her dad is is gone and that her mom mm-hmm. isn't doing well. And, like, she would want to know that. Yeah. There's not a doubt in anyone's mind of that. Um, now, now that the police, the state police are in charge, the case is very, very active. Well, that's and good. it is and it is very concurrent. It's happening as we speak. It's so, such a shame, though, that they lost so many years. Yeah. Like any any evidence that is no longer available because of people moving mm-hmm. and renovating and all that stuff just gone. Exactly. Like I said, a week later, the carpet was gone. Yeah. All of that was gone. Absolutely um, crazy. So I don't have a lot of information I can give about what is going on with the case now as it is an active mm-hmm. investigation. Um, right. And this is a reminder that if anybody is listening who has something that they know or has something that they want to bring up to somebody they think could help, mm-hmm. do not, don't, don't post it publicly. Don't, um, don't go looking for things yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of talk. So there's a Facebook page for this, like I said. Yeah. Um, and there's always a lot of talk on there about like going out and doing a search party or going out and, and investigating this or talking to this person or doing this stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, just a reminder, do not do that. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is only going to hinder the case. So right. you, you could potentially tamper with something. Yeah. Or find something that would help the investigation, but they can't use it. That kind of thing. Exactly. So if there is something that you know, um, I will give I will give um, information here now. That actually works works really well. Um, if you go to your next slide, yes. If you if you want to help, if you want to help, and you're maybe not in the neighborhood, um, you're somebody. One of our listeners from somewhere else. Uh, there's a couple different ways that you can help. Number one, mm-hmm. uh, Liz is seeing them on the screen right now, but I will put a link in the description um, and in the in the brief. Uh, there's a local, a uh, couple local people who are putting together different shirts, and there's also I think stickers. Um, the push to find her uses the hashtag Bring Fawn Marie Home. So you can buy a shirt that has Bring Fawn Maria Home. You can buy a shirt that has her missing poster on it mm-hmm. or her her face and the missing with the, um, the phone number you can call. Or there's an Amazon link. There's a wish list that I'll include. If you're not in the area but you want to help, uh, there is a, a group of people that are putting together flyers. And they always need things that are on this list. So it's like ink and paper and that kind of thing. You can purchase those through Amazon and it will send it directly to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of the all of the shirts and things are not just for awareness, but all of the proceeds for those go to um, go to that sort of this organization to help 
help find her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that you can do on the next slide here, this is her, her official missing poster. So there is a currently a $10,000 reward. This is like brand new as of like last week. $10,000 reward for any information that solves where she has gone. So if you're local and you have information, this should not be the motivation you need. But there is now a reward for this. Um, but like I said, a lot of our listeners are not local. But if you're yeah. local, if you're not local and you want to help, you can help monetarily by either donating supplies or donating your money through buying a shirt. Um, and also if you're local and you want to buy a shirt, they have a local pickup option as well that you can mark upon um, purchase. Her then go ahead. Oh, I was going to say also for anyone who is um, listening, but may not have quick access to the brief, that tip number is, let me see here. It's one 800 4 P A the number four P A tips. That's one eight hundred four eight. Wait, no. What is that? That's one eight hundred four eight four seven seven. Isn't that missing a digit? No. Maybe. Oh, maybe that's where you text it. However, you can either call. The yeah. tip line, 1-800-4PA-TIPS, or you can call 814-696-6100 and speak to Trooper Martini, who is in charge of this case. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I will read her like description in case anyone wants to keep an eye out for her. Um, mm-hmm. Fawn also goes by the nickname Bambi or Fawn Marie. So she could be using those names if she is out there somewhere. Um, she would now be 33 years old. She was five foot two inches and 105 pounds. She's blue eyes and brown hair, which she dyes auburn. Um, she has a large tattoo on her back that is angel wings with the words RIP Caden. And there are photos of her in the brief. Um, and on, you can see those on our social media as well. Mm-hmm. Another thing you can do to help, um, a lot of people are making her missing poster, uh, their picture on social media or their cover photo on social media. If that's something that you want to do as sort of a, a way to get the word out. Um, I know that when you're not in the area, you can sometimes feel like there's nothing that you can do. But honestly, we're not monetizing this episode there's no. no there's no money being made from this that's going to us. Um, so if you want to share this episode uh, and just get the word out, because that's our our motivation here is this is a case that needs to be solved. This is a case yeah. that is so I just feel it is so, so close to being solved. Yeah. It just needs one more person to come forward and say something. Right. And I mean, it, it could even be the case of if you know something you know, it's just been so long since you've seen her that mm-hmm. it's in the back of your head. And, you know, it's there's no shame in having forgotten something that you're only just now remembering. Mm-hmm. You know, any little bit of information is that, is great. 
that might not even be you. That might be somebody else has the same situation where they're, they just haven't seen her. Yeah. They, they, they I mean, they she was something. isolated. Yeah. She was, she was intentionally separated from the people who cared about her. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not out of the ordinary for you, for her to maybe have dropped off of your radar. But yeah. if you know something, you know, now's the time. It is really, really heartening, I guess, the community that has risen up around this case. Um, yeah. Like I said, there's a Facebook page, so I see all of the people that are putting out photos of, of her and talking about their experiences with her and what a wonderful person she was. There are people, I see every day people putting up flyers and laminating flyers and, and providing... Uh, support in all different ways. I know that there are several local um, takeout like pizza shops and stuff that are including a flyer with every order. Mm-hmm. So uh, you get a pizza and there is a picture of her. Somebody yeah. is going to know something. So having yeah. having just the information shared is incredible. Yeah. Um, and like I said, there will be links in the description if you want to buy a shirt or a sticker or anything like that. Um, if that's not your jam, but you want to help somewhere else, I'll put the Amazon link. You can help to buy, you know, ink and paper and, and, and tape and everything that they need to make flyers um, mm-hmm. or even just share this episode. We'll put the missing poster on our Facebook page. You can share yes. that from there if you'd like that as well. Um, that mm-hmm. costs you absolutely nothing to share the poster or share this episode just to get the word out. And like I said, we're not making any money from this. This isn't something no. that we're like, share this because it gives us, I don't know. No. What even 10 You'll notice cents. there's no ad. There's no ad on this episode. There's no money coming yeah. in. There's, so. this is an absolutely crucial thing to, to, to get the word out for people. Yeah. Like I said, we need to, somebody knows something. We need to capitalize on the fact that this case is actively being investigated right now. We yeah. can't wait for it to go cold. For this yeah. information, that's might be critical to get to the authorities. Yeah, that phone number, like it leads you directly to an ear that wants to listen. Like, yeah, this isn't just like, yeah, exactly. It's not a cold case. It's there's somebody here that is investigating the case and wants tips. So if you have literally anything, ma'am, sorry, UPS must be here. Rude. I know. Um, very bad timing. So that is, that is the case. Um, I don't think I have anything else. I think that's, I think that's all I have. So like I said, ways you can help will all be in the description. They'll be in the brief. Um, It'll be on our social media. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please, please get the word out. If, if. Like I said, if you're not in the in the um, in the area, the best thing you can do is share. The easiest thing you can do is share things. Do you want to talk about reading and recommending? Yeah, this is just tough. It, it is tough. It's it's it's, it, it's hard because it's happening now and it's worrying, and it's yeah. happening to. It's hard. I think it's hard because it's happening to people I know. Yeah, <laughs> like it's people I know are hurting. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's this 
the the Facebook group has grown exponentially. There's almost 4,000 members on it right now. I'm going to have to join it. You'll have to send me an invitation to it. Yes. And I'll do that right now because I have it up. Um, awesome. I, it has grown to, to almost 4,000 uh, members. And it like I said, it was covered on the lo- the news. Like I'll uh, include the link if you want to watch uh, their full coverage of it. They have a, there's a, an article and a, a video to watch if you'd like to. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing is spreading, another way you can spread the word is to use the hashtag bring Fawn Marie home. Yes. With your posts about it, just so that people are using it and getting the word. The whole point is getting the word out. Right. Um, in fact, that'll probably be our title for this one, I imagine. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. All right. Would you like to transition to what we're reading? Uh, yes. Okay. I will go ahead and go first. Yes. Everyone's sorry. I was going to be talking to Bridget. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, everyone's going to be so proud of me because I actually finished a book. I can hear you these finished a book in my head. I finished a book. I knew you started a book. I didn't know you finished it. Um. Well, I was listening to it at work, and it was only, like, six hours. So between yesterday and today, I just zoomed right through it at work. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. It's my first uh, full read of 2021, halfway through February. Um, But what I read was Over the Top, A Raw Journey to Self-Love by Jonathan Van Ness. Aw, I love him. I love him even more now. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's about his life from literally like age four to when Queer Eye came out on Netflix. That's nice. So it's, he, he's had quite a life. I wouldn't have guessed. A lot of trials and tribulations. You so, wouldn't have guessed because he's such a positive, upbeat person. He is, but. Oh my goodness, there was there was sexual abuse, there was drug abuse, there was sex work, that oh my gosh, so much. There was sickness and death and whew, there was a lot in that six hour audiobook. Did he read did he read the audiobook? Yes. Oh he, yes. Yeah, he narrates it himself, which is fantastic. I love that. Yeah. But it's a fantastic read. And if you can listen to the audio, do. I always feel like anytime you're listening to the author themselves read it, it's just better. Especially so. if it's like nonfiction or a memoir. Exactly. Positively, exactly. Yes. So um, I just finished that uh, about like an hour before I clocked out of work today. And it was super fantastic. So that's what I'm recommending today. Are you writing that like I just finished this book high? A I little. love that when you finish a book and you just feel like, oh, I just have to sit with my feelings for like a day. I know. And like, I know that a few years have like transpired since that. So I'm like, where's your second book, Johnny? Actually, yeah. they called him Jack. As a kid, Aww. they called him Jack. That's so cute. cute. But yeah. I am reading. And by reading, I mean like I just downloaded this on Audible because... I finished my The Good Death. Um, 
I am starting A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. Okay, another Naomi Novik. Oh, I love Naomi Novik. So I will read this tiny synopsis, tiny blurb, um, and then I will address something important. Okay. So the Google Books blurb says, Enter a school of magic unlike any you've ever encountered. There are no teachers, no holidays, no friendships, save strategic ones. Survival is more important than any letter grade, for the school won't allow its students to leave until they graduate or die. Ooh. It is, I have heard, it is very good. And it is kind of like, I don't know, like a thriller mixed with a uh, Harry Potter style thing. But, you know, I love Naomi Novik. Yeah. There have been a little, there's been a little bit of controversy in this, of this book, um, because it is a very... Uh, how do I put this? So she is a, I believe, I don't want to talk out of turn, so I want to just double check. Mm-hmm. She is a white woman. Um, and she, this book is, uh, she purposely tried to make it very diverse. That is like a big part of what she tried to do with this book. That's another reason why I wanted to read it. Because mm-hmm. it is purposefully very diverse. Um, there has been some backlash a little bit when the book came out. Uh, because basically there's the monsters that are like attacking the different people. They There's a, a mention in here because she's very good at world building. There's a mention about these things that come out while you sleep and they burrow into your hair. If your hair Mm. is thick, like you have dreadlocks um, and they burrow into your brain. And so she called them leech locks and everybody felt like, like the internet and people in a whole very, um, I think fairly felt like that was problematic. Yeah. Uh, Dreadlocks already have a sort of stigma. Yeah. They have a stigma about being dirty and about those kinds of things. Um, So what she did was she issued an apology and she made it so that any audiobooks and any uh, printings of the book after that moment would would exclude that chunk. Well, that's good. I yes, I I want to read it. Even though it has some, it has other things that people feel are a little controversial. But I feel like I want to read it to see what it is. I want to form my own opinions Mm -hmm. on it. And also, I feel like anytime you have a white writer trying to write very diverse fiction, you're going to have inevitably some issues Mm -hmm. with those kinds of things of people just like not um not understanding the right. uh, the the implications of certain things it's so, one of those things where accidents will happen but how you handle them exactly. is what's very important exactly and obviously i'm not someone to say like you don't get to be like obviously get upset about that if you yeah know, that it it reasonably makes sense to be upset about that 
Um, right. But I don't get to say like, don't be mad. Just get over it. Like those kinds of things. Cause I'm a white woman. I don't get to tell yeah. people of color how to feel about things that upset them. Right. Like if you don't want to support somebody for that thing, then don't. Um, Another thing is like, we don't get to decide if what she did in response is enough. Exactly. Yeah. But personally for myself, I love Naomi Novik's writing. I want to give it a shot and see. I like the premise. I love her world building. So I want to give it a shot and see how I feel. Yeah. Um, I I think it's it's very different from like, I like the fact that people were like, hey, this is problematic. And she was like, you're right. It is problematic. I'm going to make sure it gets removed. And mm-hmm. she didn't do like JK Rowling where it was Ugh. like, why did you name your only Asian person two last names? And she was like, you don't get to tell me that's her name. Two last names from two different nationalities. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I will let everybody know and, what I and think And then also it. you turn her into a villain, but whatever. Yeah. I will I will let everyone know what I think of it as I read it. Um, yes. I was thinking I should I should um, start like updating people on my social media or something. Like make a make a public social media for this so I can update people as I'm reading. Um, I don't know. Nah, I mean we can just talk about it each episode. That's true, but I always feel That's like. Plenty. Okay, that's fine. That's good. I like that. I mean, if you want, you can also just put it in stories. That's true. I should put it in stories. Yeah. Let's. Poor Bridget has to listen to all this. I'm sorry, Bridget. <laughs> I should have told her that she can. She could cut off. I'll. I'll. Te- uh, I'll text her. You'll and let her, her know. She can quit listening at reading and recommending. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth. Yes, Hannah. Would you like to tell people where they can find us? Absolutely. We are Briefcase Crimes across all social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. You can listen to full episodes anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And if you would like to support us monetarily, you can always buy us a coffee from coffee.com. That is ko-fi.com forward slash briefcase crimes. Or you can purchase any of our book recommendations on bookshop.org they support local bookstores by donating 75 percent of profits to them and they support us through our affiliate link by giving us 10 percent of the profits of any books that are purchased using our shop link that link as well as the others are always in the description and in our bios well said elizabeth thank you hannah do you know if when people donate on coffee if they can like send us a message or something in it i think to be honest hold on let me pull it up i haven't even logged in in so long because i i just didn't think anybody was using it i didn't get like any emails that we got any donations yeah but i was thinking if you want to we do have direct messages Okay, because so, I was gonna say so you, if you if you don't want if you want to try to support Vaughn's case, yes. But what you want to do is, I don't know. You don't want to buy a hoodie. You don't want to buy supplies, and you just want to donate money. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always coffee it to us, and I 
we'll get it to Bridget. Yes, we'll make sure it goes directly to her. Yeah, so, so. any money that comes in based on this episode is going to that to that let, um, let me make sure yes yeah so when you make your donation you can put a message in so just make yes. sure you put in a message you can either just put the hashtag yes. uh, or you write a message whatever you want to do as long as fawn is mentioned in there we will make sure that that goes to her exactly um and and uh, elizabeth yes would you like to wrap this up? Yep. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.